0: $5 minimum balance required.
1: This is a 680 The Fan podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the Fan app. Bill Ripkin does join us right now to talk some baseball and then some. He knows he's joined us in the past on the Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker line. Bill, what's going on?
2: Nothing much, but uh, you never cease to amaze me with the Tootsie Roll and Lay's Potato Chips getting to the bottom of it. I didn't think I was going to come into that.
3: Thank you. Hey, what do you think of Dave Matthews as a band, not as a guy, as a band?
2: Uh, uh, It's a little bit newer for my stuff. I've been doing a lot of traveling around, and I said Pandora most of the time for 60s, 70s, 80s uh, on the station, and sometimes I do the 70s light rock. Um, I bounce around on XM to 70s and 80s. I'm not mad at them, but to me, I'd rather listen to some Tom Petty any day of the week.
1: I am with you on that one when it comes to your musical choices. So we were just talking about spring training and how much it's changed when you first came into spring training, first into Major League Baseball, knowing that you come from a baseball family, but were guys still using spring training to get into shape? Not necessarily the case now.
2: No, these guys are coming in. They're ready. Um, I I would think back in my day going into spring training, we probably needed three weeks to a month of spring training. These guys seem to be ready on the offensive side, position player side of things, maybe in 10 days, two weeks, because they're coming in that right. Um, But it, it was what it was. It was the process of... That's what spring training used to look like. Think about when Brooks Robinson was playing. All right, I know I'm dating myself, but he was before my time. But those guys that played for the Orioles and things like that, they weren't making the money. And some of the guys that played in the big leagues had winter jobs um, to maintain for their family. So they would go to spring training with every intention of getting ready for opening day, but they weren't coming into spring training Um, primed and, and ready to go they were using spring training to get ready so it's definitely a different time nowadays and I would think that these dudes offensively 10 to 14 days they should be ready to go I know it'll never morph into that but I think they'd be ready
1: and Bill we talked about this I was a kid in the 70s even back I heard stories in the 60s the 50s you would have starters on major league teams go and speak to I don't know church groups because like you said, they had, to, they had to work in the off season. A lot of times they get paid in cash under the table.
3: Whitey Ford came to something in Staten Island, New York, a VFW hall, and I guarantee you he got paid in cash that day, and he probably did
2: three of them. Probably. And and here's the thing, too, because, look, I mentioned Brooks Robinson again, and I think we'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Brooks Robinson, the human, since I brought him up in the sense of just the timing. But someone like Brooks and slash Johnny Unitas, all right, Baltimore legends, They were in the community. I'm not saying guys nowadays are not in the community, but it was a different vibe. These guys were part of the community. Like I said, if they were working at a store, I remember all those years my father managed in the minor leagues. Um, He'd come home and do two jobs in the winter, Uh, work at a gas station, work at a drugstore, work at a lumberyard. And so when you're doing that kind of stuff, you, you entrench yourself. In the community, you're just not kind of coming in, spending a day here, um, shaking hands, kissing babies, and and moving on. You're part of it, and I don't think we'll ever see connections um, with the athletes today in all sports that were in yesteryear because they, they, were, they were just part of the community, and I think everybody took them as part of the community.
3: Hey, Bill, two quick things. We had Bart Starr on years ago. We told this story. Um, Bart Starr told us he sold tires in the offseason, and Nick and I both assumed, oh, he owns a store, Bart's Tires. He said, no, 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 I had a shirt on that said Bart. This is after he won an <laughs> NFL championship. He had a shirt on that said Bart and sold tires. Like I almost fell out of the chair when I heard that.
2: No, I, I think that's cool, and I, I tell you what, my father told me a story when he was doing the uh, the drugstore thing, and his trick with the lipstick. Because back then, you could probably try on what somebody was buying, and he said somebody would come in and look for lipstick or whatever, and say, "I want you know this kind of shade of red or whatever." And he said the first one that the person liked, right? He would put underneath the counter. And then they try on all the other ones and they say, I'm not sure. And he and pulled that one back out. They go, I got a different one for you. I think you'll like this. And it would always kind of bring back that um, one that was actually had interest in to begin with because that was probably the one for her anyway. Brilliant psychology right there.
3: And the other one is it's why when the Brooklyn Dodgers left Brooklyn, I have a list of addresses. Somebody published this a few years ago the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers team, one World Series. People are in tears as they're leaving. They had. Every address of every guy, and it was all in the neighborhood. Like, that was the whole thing. They all lived in the neighborhood. And I don't begrudge guys, gated communities and everything else, but it is why you cry when the Brooklyn Dodgers leave town. It's because you literally know that a piece of the neighborhood is going away.
2: Yeah, and it's it's it's, it's different. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's different. Um, but but your point right there, when those guys that all live there are moving out of town, it's not losing your team, you're losing your neighbor. losing your friend and i'm not begrudging anybody of what they do now either um but i'm just saying it's different it'll never be the way it once was in that sense all right i i've never
3: done this i I don't know nick and i have been 26 years i don't know if i've ever used a piece of sound when we had a guest on but i watched spencer strider's highlights last night and i don't know if you heard bill he's got a curveball now can i tell you i watched him wipe a guy out and do you know what I swear to God, I think it was audible to my wife in the room. Listen to this. That's what I heard. You worked really hard on
1: that one, Chris, didn't you? That's what I heard. I did when that I... for a guest, did
3: you? There was an awful lot of lead up for that. Uh-huh. Was it worth it, Bill? Was it worth it? Because I swear to God, uh, I looked at was. this poor guy. I said, oh, he's got no chance. I mean,
2: chance. look, here's what I hope for Spencer Strider and all of the Atlanta Braves pitchers is, wouldn't it be fun to see those guys pitch every fifth day? And if we could throw a rotation out there where 30 starts is is the starting point and somebody could end up with 32-33, slash that would be so much fun to watch because they're all so unique. Uh, the addition of sale coming into that mix um, could be kind of cool. Um, we just have to see how it plays out. But Spencer Schreider, I, I mean, stuff-wise, um it, it, the the look of him on the mound where he looks like he's in control, too, um, that's kind of rare combination stuff, you know. And I, I go back and I, I think about guys that uh, I would have faced, and, you know, Saberhagen kind of comes to mind. Now, they're not built the same way, but there's something about it when they're on the bump, and then all of a sudden there's strike one when you're hitting a natural end on the outside corner down at the knee. You can't do anything with it. And when they do that to you, you're in that area of being embarrassed maybe three times in a strike zone. And I know Spencer can get chases, but he's also got the stuff that's also rare. He can embarrass somebody in the confines of the strike zone. And that's a rare mix. You know, if you think about punch outs, normally chase the high eater, chase the slider in the dirt. When you can throw three pitches in the confines of the strike zone and embarrass a big league hitter and he's got to go back to the dugout, that's different kind of country that you live in than other people. Bill Ripken
1: with us on the Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker Line. And not only that, and I'm sure you read the quotes, his attitude. He is striving for perfection, literal perfection. He's never satisfied. And that's, I don't want to compare him to all-timers, but that's what the all-timers do, right? I mean, that's their mindset. They always are pursuing perfection.
2: I don't think there's any question. Um, You look at the dude and you can tell he works hard. So that's part of it. But the idea of going out there on the bump and not being satisfied with being really good, um, that, that's impressive. And I love the fact that when you when you put them on the bump, everybody in that brave locker room, now a lot of days they feel like it's wind day. But you really kind of hit the next level. When you turn the corner and you look at the lineup guard and Strider's down there in the, with the one next to his name, meaning he's pitching, everybody feels pretty good about their chances that day.
3: Hey, Bill, you retire in 98. I'm looking at the, the list here, and I didn't, I didn't yep. know this. You retire with the Tigers. But 98's yep. a really interesting year in baseball because it's the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire year, and then we have everything that happens. Was there a moment when you were sitting on the couch? I think you're out of the game at 34. And you watch what happens over the next couple of years. And middle infielders are popping for 22 and 25 home runs, and everybody <laughs> sort of knows what's going on. Go ahead. You're laughing because what was, what was your thoughts as a 34-year-old guy out of the game at that point?
2: Yeah, actually, you gave me one too many years. I was 33 uh, because I didn't turn 34 until December of that year. And it's kind of funny because let me just get humor into it first. If the 98 Tigers release you halfway through the year, you should just quit. And that's what I ended up doing. So I don't know if I was retired as much as just forced out. But I did sit on my deck, you know, for the first time in a long time and uh, crack a beer while the grill was going at 5.30 in the afternoon, 5.30 in the evening, because I was never allowed to do that before. And I sat there, and I thought that was pretty cool. Here's the thing. My career, uh, I just spoke to the University of Maryland uh, baseball team yesterday, and one guy asked me one of my proudest moments in my career, and I said, well, it's not necessarily like a game. You know, I had a 4-8 game with Cal having three hits in the same game. We had seven hits as brothers. He had three homers in a game. I hit one in the same game. We had four homers as brothers. Um, but my favorite thing and my my most special thing I think about my career was every opportunity I had to go into a major league camp during spring training as a non-rostered player, I made the team. And so to your point – when these guys were doing some things um, I, I was so entrenched in what I had to do going into a spring training camp where I'm thinking I'm 30th on the roster. I'm not on the 40 man roster. I'm non-rostered invitee, but I'm thinking I'm 30th. And back then we had a 25 man roster. So my whole mindset was I had six weeks to get to either 23 or 24. I didn't want to just get to 25 because I didn't want the GM and manager to think something slightly different than me. So if I got to 23 or 24, I knew I was going to be good. And when I look back at that and what I went through, so that some guys that were, you know, doing some things and and hitting a bunch of homers, I'm thinking, well, the same guys I was competing against for my job every year, somebody was probably doing something a little bit iffy. And it kind of bothers me to this day. But also, like I told the boys at Maryland yesterday, one of my proudest things about my career was the fact that I made the team out of spring training every opportunity I got. So it, it really didn't affect me that much. And you kind of, when you're in my position where you're fighting for your job every day, you kind of have to have some blinders on and you really don't let the outside stuff Affect you because if that comes into play, you might not do what you want to do.
0: Support for Extra 1063 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Five dollar minimum balance
3: required. Bill, if you were twenty six years old, do you think you you play it straight?
2: I would like to think I would. It, it worked out. Um, I, I I think if you're you're in a different mindset, I don't know if I can one hundred percent answer that question. I, and I hope I don't offend anybody by that. But I would like to think that I wouldn't. I mean, I was in the middle of it, like, all those times, and I didn't. So I'd like to think that I could carry through and and do that again. So um, it's one of those things I I can say I'm 99.9% sure, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I could slap 100 on you right now. Bill Ripken with
1: us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker Line. So we remember, as Chris said, the 98 season, but the bodies were changing prior to that. Do you remember discussions before 98 about PEDs and who you thought was doing what and bodies changing?
2: Well, you could definitely see some bodies changing pretty quick. I don't really ever remember having conversations as much as you kind of look at somebody sitting in the locker room and then you look at somebody that you know is uh, on your side of the fence and you kind of make some eye contact and roll your eyes a little bit. Uh, I do remember that. I I don't think there was a whole lot of conversation going on. And, you know, I, I certainly had my suspicions on a few people for sure. But I don't remember conversations. It was more of the, the looks that you would uh, look at your, your, your fellow players that you knew were on the uh, up and up, and you kind of make some sort of a, you know eye motion or something or eye roll at them. Hey, Bill, can you explain uh, what the
3: selling of the Baltimore Orioles means for that community?
2: Well, I hope it's something really good. Um, you know, I know my brother's in there somewhere. Uh, I've talked to him one time. Uh, since the news, I, I, I didn't get a definitive out of him on, you know, does he have a seat at the table on the baseball side of things? I would certainly hope if you're in the minority, minority down at the bottom of the rung, as far as ownership goes, they would value the fact that you got this dude that you better listen to, because I think that'd be a good idea. But, you know, it's kind of interesting that the trade for Corbin Burns happened, what, the day after the, the sale was announced uh, <laughs> to the new group. And I thought that was a really key move for them. You know, what they were able to do last year in the American League East and boat racing people was pretty cool. And I think going out there and getting the Corbin Burns to come in and push Grayson Rodriguez down to that two spot is kind of cool, too. And they've got young talent. They've got boys that like to go out there and play. So hopefully this will mean there's some resources that come into play and people aren't afraid to go out there and make that move. Uh, to make a splash, to get better and and advance into the playoffs and, and maybe deep enough to win it.
3: Can you finish the sentence? Ronald, Ronald Acuna is?
2: Great. I don't, I don't know. You know, there's there's so many probably adjectives that you could throw out his way. The, the talent that he has, the skill set that he has, and there's a select few of players, like in the game, that can do something on a baseball field as well as anybody uh, else, and they can do it through every category. So my point is when Acuna gets into one and gets the bad head out and hits the ball into left center field, he can get the ball as far as any human that plays the game. Uh, when there's a ball hitting the gap by him, and you know he's going to go for three, he can run a triple, and it looks like any of the fastest dudes out there on the planet can do. It's the same. Uh, He can make a throw-to-home plate on a sack fly, and you can go, you know what? He's as good as anybody else in that category as well. He steals a base. So when you're in a player and there's a select few that's like that, and you know what? He, He had one hiccup where he ran into the wall or hurt his leg, something like that, but for the most part, he posts. And that's something else that not everybody does either. So when you got a dude on your team that goes out there and plays 160, and can do everything on a baseball field that in any given category, anybody else that's great can do, and he can do them all, you got something pretty special.
1: The most incredible thing, he did this a couple of years ago, and this was when he was coming back from the knee injury, and it sounds crazy to say this with all the great things he's done. He had a routine ground ball. It wasn't a slow roller. It was a routine ground ball to shortstop, and he beat it out. It was like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to flip the switch and just beat this routine play out. I mean, how many major leaguers can just flip that switch and do something like that?
2: Well, not many. Now, the, the one side of me being an old school dude that I am crusty I as anything, I'd like to say, well, why is the need to actually flip a switch? You're right. Because if you, if you have the switch, you set, you should set be him in up the for opposition. that Nick.
3: You know, you set him up for that. I you know, know it. I did. Yeah.
2: On a it, team. It, it is what it is. But when you look, that, and that's just one of those categories, again, where an infield knock. So the fact that he can do everything. And he might and turn it into a double.
3: Part, and he might turn it into a double because he's still second. Yep
2: yes and and that's the point, so th- when you are that type of player, and you can go out there and post, and I can understand if you're definitely going to play one sixty every year, um yeah, you might take a ground ball off or two, but there's still this crustiness in me that wishes he wouldn't because it would be even more special to watch if you never had to bring up anything that you know he did kind of jog on that one and am I being picky, yeah, probably, but. That also is, is what it is, and it's just my nature and what I do. Take
3: personalities out of it. You were in Cleveland in '95 so you see yes, sir. You see Bell, you see Manny, yep. you see Jim. I, I'm assuming that's as good an offense as you've ever played on, but tell me tell me about Albert Bell. like finish that same sentence. Albert Bell is.
2: Hall of Fame worthy? Uh, um, You know, we go through these conversations in in the offseason about the Hall of Fame, and everybody's breaking down this and breaking down that, and you're fudging this and fudging that and adjusting this and adjusting that. I don't know of too many people that I played against that when he walked up to home plate and he started to do his little foot measurement where he would dig the bat knob into the ground and kind of stare out at the pitcher, You're sitting there going, this ain't going to be good for us. And to me, that's the easy way that I would have to describe Hall of Famers. If I had first looked at him and played against him, he was different.
1: And the dog dog agrees. agrees. Yes, very much so.
2: (laughs) But The idea of this dude in that year of 95, see, the 95 season was interesting because that was the one year I was not allowed to go into a spring training because of the strike-shortened setup of the year before so i ended up going to triple a buffalo that year and i'm down there having one of my better years i could have i was healthy i was playing short every day i was getting some knocks i was doing some things and the cleveland indians at the time in a 144 game season went 144 and i'm down there in buffalo felt like I was rotten because they don't need any help. They were like the 27 Yankees and everybody stayed kind of on the, the healthy side and they just raped. I did get called up at the end of 95 and I saw Albert firsthand. I would like to point out that I had two homers and 17 at bats at the end of that year in September. So I had one Homer in every 8.5 at bats, which was better than Albert's ratio. I'd like to point that out, but Albert had 50 homers and 50 doubles. In 144 season, and that homer he hit in the playoffs against Boston against Aguilera, when everybody needed it in Cleveland, and this dude comes through, he was a different dude at home plate. And I don't think if you look at his 10 year run, you know, in 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 the stat columns, if that doesn't scream All the Fame stuff, I don't know necessarily what does. But when I played against him and he came up to home plate. You knew something good was not going to happen for your team when you were in the field.
1: I think Manny Ramirez hit seventh in that lineup. That's how good that lineup was.
2: Yeah, they were pretty good. Um, I don't think there's any question. You you had Big Jim in the mix. Eddie would do some dh with Dave Winfield. Um, uh, Everything. Omar Vizquel was hitting ninth. Sandy Alomar might have been hitting eighth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Omar might have been hitting second, too, behind Kenny Lofton. But these dudes could just flat-out play. And they got after it every single day. And when you watch them play that, that September run, I was not active on any of the playoff stuff. But that was a group that was pretty darn good for sure. All
3: right, last thing. You've talked about, and I think you said crusty like three times. Um, so good, you know yourself. Could you coach, <laughs> could you be a guy every day around whatever today's game is as much as you might enjoy it?
2: Um, I, I would say probably no to that simply because I haven't gotten back into it probably because of that. There, there's nothing that kind of gets my stuff going more than being out on the field and being able to do some things. But I think we've gotten a little bit off base and off track. Now, your organization is probably one that I could think about. Uh, going to and, and doing some things because I think there's some things done extremely right um, and borderline crusty uh, in Atlanta and so I could possibly be part of that but I would say right now I could probably reel off 20 or so teams that I would have no part of wanting to be involved with.
1: Bill, we appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk as the season nears, hopefully.
2: You got it. Sorry about my boy being a little bit vocal. It's his lunchtime. <laughs> That's alright. Feed him. Know. Feed that dog. Thanks, right. right.
1: See you guys. Bill Ripken with us on the Hobson and Hobson. This is a 680 The Fan Podcast. To hear more live and local sports content like this, tune into 680 AM or 93.7 FM or download the
0: Fan app. $5 minimum balance required. Hey sandwich lovers! Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the sub-sisters Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner.